That's usually what waivers goes up and down, but I think what you're saying, Alex, he knows he can do it. Turnover. Pearson shot score! <laughs> Opening minute and the Kings have the lead! You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. Martinez sends it down low. I have fallen around the boards. Brown behind the goal with time expiring. They score! Anshay Kopitar front of the net and his ninth straight game with a point results in a 2-0 lead. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the King's Men. Well, there you have it, guys. First three-game losing streak of the season. All three coming at home. Two of them against division rivals. Not great. Not great at all. Not great, Bob. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify Premium, Google Play, or any other place you can find quality podcasts. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. We're in the press box above Staples Center uh, watching UCLA and USC prepare for their big hockey game. Uh, uh, as usual, uh, a Trojan himself, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing tonight, Jack? Uh, doing well. Um, a little bit disappointed and confused, but overall, not too bad. I said on the intro uh, that I recorded before the last podcast that uh, two games isn't a streak. It's just two games. You need three games to constitute a streak. Well, this is it. We've got our first three-game losing streak of the year, all three coming on home ice. Um, but before we get into that, let's talk about the trade, because <laughs> last podcast we recorded, for all of those of you who listened, we, we singled out Mike Camilleri just as an example of players who maybe weren't slotted into the best role suited to their skill set. And lo and behold, Mike Camilleri gets traded uh, to Edmonton for UC Oaken and Jack, what you think of the trade? I think it's going to be beneficial in the long run, uh, as... Camilleri came in to the Kings organization again this time around. Uh, he was pretty much slotted for where Ayafalo was, and when Ayafalo outplayed him in the uh, in the preseason and in the exhibition games, all of a sudden it was pretty evident that Ayafalo had the ability and the potential to play with Kopitar and Brown. And Camilleri, who probably going into camp thought that was going to be his role, uh, has to find himself on you know the third fourth line, which in time he hasn't necessarily been used to and and isn't the most effective at and all of a sudden you know an opportunity arose with with Jokinen's availability who's a little bit more of a, a Swiss army knife and a bit able to to play those kind of roles that do a little bit more of the dirty work and and are a little bit more effective on the bottom six and that was why the you know the move was was made I'm gonna call him a Finnish army knife because he's from Finland, not <laughs> Sweden, but uh, or Switzerland, I guess. Um, but um, no, you're right. And you know, I saw a lot of people on social media, on Twitter and Facebook, saying this is just another example of the Kings picking up a player in the off season that isn't there at the end of the year and sort of complaining and everything. And there were some comparisons to Setaguchi last year, and of course, Setaguchi was a PTO, uh, not a free agent signing. Setaguchi filled in when Gabbert got hurt, and and you're exactly right. Michael Camilleri was brought in for offense. This was a team that was having trouble scoring goals. Yep. Michael Camilleri was seen as a purely offensive player. Um, turns out they are not having trouble scoring goals. <laughs> um, and so a guy like Camilleri, as we said last time, if he's on your power play, well, it turns out the power play is just fine. So you, it, yeah. yeah, so you don't need him on there. Um, and then, yeah, playing him on a third or fourth line, 
if his job is to generate offense, but but his line is getting outshot by a margin of two to one on a regular basis, well, then he's not fulfilling that role. And if you brought him in for a different role, I, I kind of admire the fact that they moved so quickly because I've, I've had conversations with people, <clears throat> including my father, um, who, you know, were worried that this was going to be a Teddy personal situation yep. where he's out of the lineup and you're not sure what's happening. Then he just sits down and it lingers. Money. They, they, they pulled the trigger. They made a move for a guy who's making the exact same money, basically, who, you know, you look at his stats and, okay, fine, he's got six fewer points than Camilleri. But now you bring him in and maybe he drops um, Andrea off to the, to the fourth line and now your third line is, is uh, Jokinen, Shore, and Lewis. That's a solid third line. That's a line that I trust out there to play defense. Now, they didn't have a great night tonight. I don't know what to attribute that to. Shore and Lewis were playing great earlier in the season. Maybe it's just a bad stretch. Maybe they don't mesh well with Andrioff. You know, who knows? But but now you start to actually pinpoint identities on on specific lines. Um, we'll see we'll see what it looks like once Jokinen joins the team. But but it did hurt them tonight <laughs> to have to have Camilleri out of the lineup and Jokinen not available. What did you think of Andrew Crescenzi's first game? It's hard to, to to grasp, you know, how effective he can be in the NHL. Um, that being said, it, it wasn't necessarily pretty. Uh, unfortunately, he took a penalty that I believe was then the, the costing third goal on the power play. Um, tonight was a night where the bottom six were the reason why they lost the game, and the top six were the reason why they didn't win the game. And, and by that... I allude to more of a, an opportunities missed in the first period on the power play on, you know, when all of a sudden, you know, the, the Kings jumped out to a, a rifling hot start. Uh, and yeah, they got two goals in the first period, but it really should have been three, four, zero. And their inability to, to, to pad the lead uh, ultimately was why Vancouver was able to come back. And, and it was the same story that we, you know, talked about uh, against San Jose. They they should have been up more after the first period, and then they were outplayed in the second and the third and ended up costing them. And that was the story all through last season too, right? Yeah. You have a, a strong first period. Yep. You don't bury your chances, and then you sort of fall asleep. Now, th- this game, you know, I felt like the Kings fell asleep with, I don't know, six or seven minutes left in the first period. I, apologies for the uh, sound effects in the background. It's USC and UCLA, so it's going to get a little noisy. We'll try and manage through it. But you're right. And the Kings pressed, and they came close on two or three chances in the first period. You know, some tip-ins that went wide, some, yeah. some really pretty plays. Um, but then, you know, after that, if you take away the power plays, you know, Jack and I were looking at the shot, at the game flow. <laughs> um, it, you know, it looks like a sort of typical game if you look at all Power plays, even strength, penalty kill, everything. It looks like the Kings are really in it. And you look at the total shots on goal at the end of the game. Uh, I can drop out the background noise, hopefully, after all of this. Um, but uh, but when you take away the power plays and you're just looking at even strength, what you see is a game where Vancouver dominated pretty much the entire game until you know the last maybe 10 minutes where the Kings made a push to try and get back in the game. And to their credit, they did. Mm-hmm. Um that fourth line I, we mentioned earlier, the Crescenzi, Amadio, and Brooks like, you know, you talked about depth at the end of last game. And, and this is a scenario where that line, you know, we talked about, uh, 
about last game. We talked about um, Brooks like not in the league last year. Mike Camilleri bought out by his previous team. This is a line now with three guys that five games into this season weren't here. Yeah, never mind like last season. <laughs> five games into the year, no, none of those three players were in the National Hockey League. So I'll give them a pass that they weren't even able to muster up a single shot attempt on goal. And, and they faced seven or eight against. Um, I thought you made a really good distinction between why the Kings lost and why they didn't win. Fortunately, they're 11-5-2. They're still six games above 500. They're still first place in the Pacific, but the Sharks are coming. And uh, Edmonton scored eight goals against Vegas tonight. So it's it's. Are we concerned? I don't. I don't think we're concerned at this point. You're you're shaking your hand as if you're a little bit. It's. Yeah, no, I'm. I, I lied. It, we're a little concerned. <laughs> I'm it's, on the edge of concern. Yeah, we're, it's a little concerning. It's because you know, going into the year and seeing the way the roster was built, we knew that you had to take advantage of teams when we were healthy. And all of a sudden, you got Carter out, and Gabrick still hasn't come back, and and Doughty, as we'll get to, you know, isn't necessarily himself right now. If if I don't know if that's the right term or, or the right way to put it, but it's it's something that. All of a sudden, when things aren't going great, can you still eke out some wins, no matter who you're playing? If it's against a top team in the league like Tampa, or if it's a team that wasn't necessarily expected to make the playoff push like Vancouver, who has been off to a, a hot start. So, uh, when now we've lost three in a row, and, and that's when you're kind of like, alright, what was working and what is now not working? And it's again, it's, it's the conversion of you know the top players taking advantage of the opportunities that they get, which all of a sudden, you know, 30 seconds into the game, they we did, it's 1-0, and then now it just snowballs into, well, chance after chance, but there was no goal. And, and then they take the foot off the gas pedal because it's 2-0 early, early in the game, and now the momentum shifts, and, and Vancouver takes control of the rest of the game. So it's a little concerning because the depth of the team isn't where, you know, we would want it to be. But you still need the production, and they're not getting that. All I could think of during the second and third period was if they had Jordan Nolan, you'd at least have you'd at least have a veteran, you know. And even if he never played a regular game, this is one of those scenarios where you can say, okay, they don't need to call up Andrew Kassenzi. They've got a veteran on the bench who you can rely on to play a bottom six role. Um, but for whatever reason, they chose to get rid of rid of him. And, but that raises the issue of coaching decisions. And look, they are 11-5-2. I don't want to turn this into a, a second-guessing of everything that's happened this year. But, you know, you you mentioned it. You felt like um, you saw Andy Andrioff out there at even strength more than you saw Kempe and Toffoli and Pearson. And you're 100% right. Um, at even strength, Andy, Andri- Andy Andrioff played nine minutes. In third way. I think that might be the – hold on real quick. Um yeah, Andrioff played uh, at even strength. Why can't I find his name? Andrioff played 11 minutes and 30 seconds at even strength. Kempe played 10 minutes. And uh, Pearson played uh, 10 minutes and 37. And Tavoli played 11.50. So the fact that Andrew Andrioff did, in fact, play more even strength minutes than, than the that 70s nine which was dominating when they were out there. Like, they were taking it to the Canucks. Yeah. Um, that's one of those things where you say, like, 
I don't. I don't why? know. It's why. Yeah. And Stevens has obviously been off to a great start, and and by all means, with the roster he's working with, and and the expectations going into the season, he's done a great job. I just I, not, and I'm not questioning him because I trust everything that he's doing. I don't under. It doesn't make sense on why you have the line that's been your most effective line and over the last two weeks play minimal ice time on even strength, no matter how even if they were producing opportunities. Andrioff is belongs in the lineup, you know, against certain teams, and this is a night that he was like he belonged on the ice because this is a divisional rival. This is a team that you've you've done fairly well over in the past few years. And things always have a you know a reason that to get chippy with the rivalry with Dorset on the ice as we saw 35 seconds into the game with a fight between Andreoff and Dorset. It's a game that he should be out there. It's just a game that he shouldn't be out there more than your top scoring line. And, and that fight didn't make a ton of sense to me. No, um, no. He, he, the exactly Kings right. Kings yeah. score less than 30 seconds into the game, and then the building's rocking and. Five seconds after that, right after you drop the puck, why are you fighting their instigator? Yeah. Who now the fight was entertaining, but the the crowd's already into the game because you just scored thirty seconds into the game. You have all the momentum, and, and did the fight work out? It kind of worked out for both teams because the Kings proceeded to put on another goal, but it also worked because the Canucks stopped the bleeding somewhat and ended up winning the game. But no, I agree. It was a horribly timed fight because. There was no reason to it, and the only thing it helped was the Canucks slow things down and and get a little bit more fire under their wing. Yeah, there's nothing to gain for the Kings in that scenario. Yeah. You've taken a one nothing lead. Yeah. If you win the fight, which he, I think he did, um, so what? Right? You're you're right. Yeah. The crowd's great. Okay, fine. Then there's a power play two seconds later, and then they score, and now it's two to nothing, and the crowd like, okay, fine. Halfway through the fight, the Canucks are the ones banging their sticks against the boards because he gets a few punches in. All of a sudden, they woke up. And if he had lost, yeah, then well, then it's then it's even worse. <laughs> yeah. And and the fact of the matter is, is you know, did it change the game? Who knows? You don't, you can't play the probably way. not, probably not. But but the thing is, is what makes you know a guy like Andy Andrioff good and effective is picking and choosing your times when to be effective in that type of scenario. You don't fight Dorset thirty seconds into the game after you score a goal, you fight him when all of a sudden the Canucks have taken the momentum and some guy takes a big run at your guy. That's your job. You you back up your stars. You do the dirty work for some of the players that have a little bit more skill offensively. And then you fight when you need to just to get your team into it. The team was already into it. The crowd was into it. The building was into it. The only team, the only people that weren't were the Canucks. And all of a sudden after that, they were. And with a minute and 30 left, the Kings are losing three to two. <clears throat> and I realized the line out there is Shore, Lewis, and Andreoff. Yeah, and and which is again one of those things where you know we saw Shore in uh, overtime. Uh, I think it was against Calgary, and they got scored on, and everybody mm-hmm. was up in arms about what are you doing putting Shore out there in overtime. And it's one of those things where you don't know if the coach is trying to reward players that have they think had a good yeah. game or put in the effort or whatever. But all again, all I can think of was <clears throat> Kempe Foley and Pearson are not old. Right, like if anybody on the team no, no, no. should have the legs to put in an extra shift <laughs> late in the game. Yeah, like Kempe's twenty one and, and uh, Carter's kids are twenty five. So <laughs> I mean, you know, whereas Lewis, God bless his soul, is I think twenty nine. He might be thirty now, and Shore is twenty four, twenty five. He's the same age as them, and Andreoff's maybe a year older. So I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if that's the excuse or that's the reason given, but when you start looking at at how many minutes these guys are playing, and you start wondering what's going on. Again, with a minute and a half left, it does begin 
to, to make you sort of scratch your head. Not there had been some some power plays uh, in the middle of the you know third period, late in the third period that might have jumbled up your your lines. Whoop! Somebody scored. Nope, nobody scored. All right. <laughs> so yeah, and look, they're still first place, but there's a quote I tweeted from Coach Sutter where he said. Uh, it's not always whether you're winning or uh, it's not always if you win or lose. It's whether you're playing. It's, it's whether you're winning or losing how you play. I'm screwing that quote up, but um, uh, let me look up the exact. It's not always whether you win or lose. It's whether you're winning or losing. And what he was referring to was the way you play. And this is why we've been talking about this for two weeks, even though they were racking up the wins. They went on a streak there where they won, or even if they didn't win, they got points in like eight games. That were, you know, we called it magic. We called it, it was fun. It was fluky. It was great. But you're not always going to have those games against the Ducks where you beat up on a depleted team and you score, you know, three goals in the third period and then win it in overtime. You're not always going to have those third periods against the Predators where you score a wide open (laughs) goal on a goalie who's trying to sneak back. You're not always going to have those games against Ottawa where you're down by one goal and Kempe manages to, you know, make a later. Like, those were... Those were games that the Kings legitimately, I'm not going to say should have lost, but it wouldn't have come as a surprise to anybody if they had. And, you know, you string together five or six of those, and you start thinking you're unbeatable, and you start thinking the hockey gods are on your side. You get together an 11-2-2 record, and maybe you do take your foot off the gas. Maybe you do start thinking everything will go in. And and that's why you saw a little bit tonight and a lot in the last game, you know, just trying to be too slick, just trying to be too cute, passing yeah. up easy passing lanes for the flashy play. Um, and I agree. And I think one guy who I think is an example of, of what you're kind of referencing there is, as we talked about earlier before we, we started the podcast, was, 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 was what's Dowdy doing right now? And and I asked you, you know, before we went on the air, what did you think of Dowdy's game? And, and your response, as I think was perfect, was, well, he, he turned it on in the last eight minutes, but, I mean, for the first time in, in, in my anal- analyst career as a, as a guy part of the Kings, I didn't notice him in the first 52 minutes, and that's a problem because he is one of the top five defensemen in the league and should have an impact on the game every night in a positive manner. And, and it was one of those situations where it seemed like he was kind of just out there playing Mr. Consistent, but, you know, you know in the previous game, he was doing too much and now it seemed like he pulled it back and was doing a little bit too little tonight until they hit the panic button and said all right guys we need to score a goal everyone do what you can and and, you know who knows what that you know is going to turn into in the next you know three four or five games Uh, but you just hope that you know the stars can get back to what they're doing all of a sudden Kobitar has kind of stepped off the gas a little bit Dowdy stepped off the gas a little bit Quick is you know played well he just can't get the win because if you you know puck luck doesn't go his way or the guys don't score enough goals, so you know it'll be interesting to see how those the bigger names on the team, the bigger salaries, uh, play in the next few games because those are the guys that are going to be able to turn your season around or turn a losing streak into a winning streak. I'm about to wander into dangerous territory, so oh, bear with me. Oh no! I'm going to make a couple of video game analogies. Oh, here we go. <laughs> um, I play a lot of NHL uh, on EA on yep. EA Sports, and. Um, the, we have, you know, we have an ESHL team, which is where you know me and three or four of the other guys from Team TRH, we get together and we play as a team, and we all have our roles and we all have our positions that we usually play. And I play defense, and uh, Pumpernickel likes to chastise me 
because from time to time I will try to do too much. <laughs> and and it's you know, and he always says, We're not gonna score two goals on this one shift. Like calm down, play your role and, and we'll get this slow and sure and everything. And you know, that's sort of my fear and again, I've said this now for a couple of games in a row, is my fear is that they have they've sort of lost that mentality and uh, yeah i mean they've lost the mojo right now and that's it's i mean sorry to interrupt you there no, it's sorry. just they they really have it's what was working you know they're doing the same things that they were in the beginning of the season but now all of a sudden it's not working and that's where the team's gonna have to kind of come together look at the film you know understand you know what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong on the ice and, and try to limit the mistakes because when you and it's unfortunate because it all started with the team who right now is the best team in the league, and, and, and all of a sudden it's 4-0 in the first period. And now you're like, all right, guys, wait, we were just winning, and now we're losing 4-0. What's going on? And now all of a sudden it just seems like that is – they just haven't been able to get over that hump of, of, of you know, A, losing at home, but most importantly just not getting back to what was working in the first half. We talked a lot in the past about uh, another thing Carol Sutter would say, which is sometimes you get on these streaks and, you know, you can feel a streak coming based on on how you're playing. You know, so so you look at the last couple of wins the Kings strung together in yeah. that streak and you go like, ah, they're getting pretty lucky there. <laughs> and, and, you know, again, the Tampa Bay game didn't hurt as much because, look, it was one game, it was the best team in the league and they had a tremendous record. The Sharks game, again, you go, okay, two fluke goals, uh, they had limited him, you know, to two goals, and they're both flukes. So it's basically fine. This one, uh, this is the concerning. One. Yeah, and I'm not going to slam my hand on the panic button. I'm not going to say, okay, this proves every you know fear right. But this is this is three games in a row. This is now a streak, and this is a game that was that ran counter to the script that you want to see. Right? This is the Kings with a two nothing lead coming out of the first, and then predictably <laughs> giving up the lead. Right? It wasn't like. Vancouver put together some sort of miracle effort and and won it late in the third. You know what I mean? It was just slow, methodical, and you could see it coming. I mean, I tweeted at the end of the first period. The good news is they're up to do nothing. Bad news is you're getting out shot again, right? Like, yeah. and they were up. So I think we said it already. They were out shooting seven to two at one point. By the end of the first period, it was eleven to ten Vancouver. Um, so you know, and I again, I want to stress this because I get yelled at on social media for this a lot. I don't enjoy, like, I don't get any thrill <laughs> yeah. out of predicting these things and being right. Like, it's not enjoyable for me. I hate it. Um, I would, I'm yearning to be wrong about these things. So, you know, our next game is against Boston. It's an Eastern Conference uh, opponent. Um, so, it's not another four point swing like this one is. But, you know, hopefully UC Okanen's in the lineup. Hopefully they're turning some of these things around. I think USC scored, right? Give a little uh, fight, fight on. on. Yeah, fight right. on. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. Do you think they turn it around in the next game? Yeah. I, I'm, I can't be certain that they will. It, it just it just concerns me that the bad habits are starting to peek through. Taking the foot off the gas pedal two games in a row. Now, yeah, I agree that the San Jose game was a little less concerning just because of uh, – you know how the goals happened and how tightly matched that game was tonight. Those second and third periods, it was pretty evident who the better team was tonight, and it's unfortunate because the Kings could have been up four five zero after the first period, and they just they just couldn't hold on, and it, it, they just let it gra- like, they just let it go, and it, it's unfortunate. So 
You hope so. Boston, you know, Bacchus is out. There's a few injuries on that team, so you hope that they can kind of take advantage of a, a little bit of a depleted team. But, you know, Boston's still a playoff team that's been in the playoffs consistently for the last decade. So, um, And may have revenge on their mind after how uh, the Kings stole that point from them with yes. .4 seconds left in overtime. Exactly. So there's, there's a little bit of revenge on their minds, but uh, it's... At this point, honestly, it might be one of those games where Quick just has to steal it, and and that it sounds bad that we're looking at that right now, but it only takes one, and it only takes one to go good, and it only takes one to go bad, and and Quick, if he can just steal a game, all of a sudden they get back on the right horse and and ride it for another four or five game win streak. I'm optimistic. Um, I'm excited to see UC Okanen. I'm excited to see. A little bit more of a bottom six identity starting to form. Yeah, exactly, and that's very important because yeah. the top, in the NHL, you know, beyond your outliers of Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin and, and Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews, the top two lines on any given night on any team are usually going to be pretty even, and that's what the difference is. Is the depth is a huge factor in the NHL. If you can add a guy like UC Okanen who can be valuable in the defensive zone and get your team out of the defensive zone. Get it in, get the lines changed, get you guys who can score back out on the offense. That's going to be very important. And unfortunately, Camilleri wasn't able to do that when he was playing that role. Hopefully, Jokinen can because it'll be very valuable to the top six who are going to be depending on to be the goal scorers. You can go online tomorrow or today, I guess, and find out what the score of this UCLA-USC game was because <laughs> we're going to take off. Thanks for joining me, Jack. Anytime. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.